morning, good morning, good morning, church. Thank you, gentlemen. Thank you. Oh, where do I start? It's a good book. I think we probably are there. But anyways, today's a different day than any other day that I've taught from my father. I've taught from this place in his stead. But today, I will teach from my purpose. Today, I will preach from what I was called to do. I was born for this day. Some of you may not know, but at age five, I received Christ as my personal savior from a man from the 700 Club named Ben Kinslow. I don't even know if he's still alive. I never told him my story. My mother had been a backslidden Christian. She knew about God. My father loathed God and wanted nothing to do with him. I asked my mother what it meant to have Jesus come live in your heart. And she told me and shooed me away like you would. You know, you don't think a child really means what they ask you. They're just curious, right? But that day something happened to me. And I asked Jesus into my heart. And little did I know that 51 years later I would be standing here to preach to you my very first message as one of the pastors of this church. Father, I just come before you today. I count it an honor to lead your people. I don't take the call lightly, nor the purpose that you've purposed me from birth with. But Father, I will rise to the occasion and I will step into the place that you need me to be for your church for the growth of your kingdom. Father, for it is far greater than anything I could have imagined or seen or believed. But today I choose to go where you want me to go. Lead me and guide me. God, that it would not be of my own words or my own worth, but God, it would be you flowing through my veins. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. We've been in a mini-series called Together. And we've been speaking about the church. But today I want to take time to speak to you about our great church. This will probably be one of the most memorable and best messages that I will ever speak in my life. Because our church was purposed to only believe. What does it look like to us now that our pastor is gone? I'm just going to deal with the elephant that's in the room. We all know it's present, right? We can't avoid it. We can't run from it. It does no good to not talk about it. Here we are. (laughs) Just let's be honest, right? What does it look like? Where are we going? How will we go on? No one ever knows how or when you're going to go. All we know is that it's purposed to live and that it's purposed for everyone to die. Do I like the way he died? No. Did I want him longer? Yes. Do I think it's unfair? Maybe. I don't know. There's a lot of emotions going on. There's a lot of emotions in your hearts and in your minds. But here's what I know. We're here. 
were here. And there was no way that we could prepare or plan for such a day as this until it happened. And now that it happened, we have to make the best of what's happened. We have to choose to go on step by step, choice by choice, day by day, Sunday by Sunday. Sunday by Sunday. But here's what I know. There is a generation, the largest unchurched generation, standing right outside of those doors. And it is up to you and I to go after that generation. It's not enough that you and I are here. It's not enough that Pastor Dosit came 40 years ago. Did anybody realize that? 40 years ago, and maybe 41 was not for him, but 41 was for you and I, a new generation, a new dawn, a new day, because the generation that's out there is different than you and I. They're totally different. They don't even know what a phone hooked to the wall looks like. They don't remember how to, you, how many of you stole from the payphone? Did anyone ever take the, the dial and go six times, nine times? I used to be able to make phone calls without a quarter. Do you? Yeah, I know. Some of you young kids are like, I don't even know what Pastor Nicole's talking about. It was so cool to get in one of those phone booths and close the door. It was awesome. <laughs> I loved it. Those are my days. Here's what I know. We're here. And we've got to continue in the work that God has commissioned us to do. <sighs> While in the hospital, I'm not sure. I think it was before intubation. One day I showed up in the morning. And I always tried to show up really early in the morning. Because dad and I would have coffee. And we would talk. And I asked him one day when I showed up. I brought our two coffees in. And I said, dad, do you want your iPad turned on so that you can hear Miracle? videos, that's all he watched on YouTube to build his faith, or do you want to read in the Word? And he said, hmm, I think I'll read today. I said, okay. So I got his glasses, and I said, where do you want to turn? And he said, I want you to turn to Joshua. I said, okay. Joshua 1, 8. No, 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 no. Joshua 1, 1. I looked at it, and just quickly as I was passing it to him, the first line says, Moses, your servant, is dead. And I handed it to him. I'm like, oh, my gosh. Why does he want to read this? I've never knew this was dad's favorite story. It wasn't. Here's what I know. I look back in hindsight, and I can't help but think that in that very moment, my father was pastoring me, his daughter, and pushing me towards my call. And that day I left that hospital and I thought, you know, should dad ever pass away? I'm going to start at Joshua 1.1. So here's what I want to tell you. The story doesn't start in Joshua 1.1. The story starts way before. So I want to give you a backstory to Israel God's chosen people. By the way, while we're here and everything's happening with Israel, we can't ignore what's happening. We can't ignore what's happening to Israel. 
So I want to leave you with a few points before because I think it's very important. Number one, we as a church need to know that God is not finished with Israel. He's not done doing what he promised to his people that he would do. You are his people, but you were grafted in. You were adopted, and those are his people. And we have the same rights as those people, but yet we walk differently accordingly because of what we believe. So your support, your prayers for Israel is important. Psalms 122.6 says that you're supposed to pray for them to have peace. Peace. Now, you, some of you are saying, well, this is just the end times. This is just going to happen. Hold up. Will he find faith in you and I when he returns about his people, Israel? Will you be standing in the gap for them to have peace? He told us to pray they would have peace. He didn't say if it looks like they're going to win. He didn't say if it looks like they're going to be delivered. He said pray that they have peace. So I remind you that is called by God for you and I to do. How about this? We know the last days there's going to be wars, rumors of wars. Steady your heart. Keep your eyes on our king. It's all going to be all right. And fourth but last, do not forget, you do not have to fear the end times. Not because it's not going to be hard. I think it could get real hard on us. I'm going to be honest with you. I think persecution, I think some church suffering outside of what the American church knows is about to be ensued. You could ask Chinese churches right now, they would think they're in the tribulation. You could talk to some Pakistan churches and some that are still layered in Iraq underground. And I'll tell you that those people think they are in the tribulation. We ain't seen nothing yet. Church, ready yourselves. Don't be afraid of what's to come, but begin to direct people to Christ. For it's the only hope. So God's not finished with Israel. So here's the backstory: The Israelites, God's people, have been promised something in Genesis with Abraham. The very first father of faith, they've been promised Abraham, you're going to go to this land that you do not know of. This is what he tells him. And then when you get there, I'm going to give it to you. I'm going to tell you what you're doing. Well, he gets there. But since then, the people possess. Then they get out of there. Then they come back. Then they get out. The story I'm about to start today is where the Israelites are wandering in the, wet, in the desert. For 40 years, they're on a journey that literally could have taken 11 days. But there was a way that they journeyed. There was a way they went about doing what they're doing. And here's what it is. They were grumping. They were complaining. All the while they were being provided for. Manna, bread, falling from heaven. Falling from heaven. Every single day. Not stale bread. Not moist, wet, mushy bread. Bread that they could eat every day. And here's what I'm going to say. It was probably a lot like a vegetarian diet. I got to be honest with you. All of you vegans out there, you vegetarians, they weren't getting no meat. They were complaining. They wanted meat. They complained about everything. They complained about the leadership that God gave them. They complained about the leadership that God gave them. 
Now, I'm going to be honest with you. I know there's no one in here complaining about the leadership that God gave us. Amen? Amen. They even looked at God when he told them that they could go over and possess the land and said, but we're not strong enough. He split the Red Sea, let them cross over, swallowed an army, and they didn't think that he was going to be with them then because 40 years had passed. How many of you remember this church in its early day? Oh, I've heard it. I've heard it. This whole weekend, I'm like, do you remember when? Do you remember when? Oh, yeah, I do remember when. I was in when. I was a part of when. I had the hair. Mom, we had some good hair. We had some good hair. That Aquanet really worked well. And all of you 80s girls know me. You lifted it up, you sprayed it, and then you put the blow dryer right on it so you could get that nice hump. Don't even act like you don't. But here's what I know. God's not about to do what he did 40 years ago. God's about to do something new. God didn't need two Moseses. He needed one. He needed one deliverer, and then he needed somebody who would step up to the plate and say, this might look a little different, but we're going to keep going. I'm here to tell you, I loved when, and I enjoyed when, but I'm telling you, God's about to do something deeper, better, brighter, stronger, and better than he's ever done before. And that's okay. That's okay. This is what I tell you. Moses needs their leaders to go out and scope the land out. And here's what he does. This land's been promised to his generations all the way back. And Moses says, we got to go over there and size up the competition. We need to find out how big they are. We need to look for some weaknesses. We need to strategize a little bit about this. And he chooses 12 men. Now, all these men, let's just say, these men were like David Hewitt's. These men were like... Tim Masters. No. Dave Orwell. They were good, mighty men that could lead. They led. I don't know why they're laughing, young men. I got no clue. No, I'm serious. They were leaders. They were leaders. They led the way. These were leaders of tribes. You don't get put over a tribe if you're a nobody. You don't get put over a tribe if you don't know how to manage Speak life into these people. How many of you ever watched the war movies where you see these, this guy get up there and he says, today we're going to die, but tomorrow we live. And like 300 people follow him. That's who these guys are. They're 12 tribal leaders. They have got it together. And there's high expectations on these 12 men. A lot is expected. So off they go. Now we're going to go to Numbers 13, 26 and start there because now their report is coming back to Moses. It says they came back to Moses and Aaron, the whole Israelite community at Kadesh in the desert of Paran, and showed them the fruit of the land. They gave Moses this account. When we went into the land which you sent us, it does flow with milk and honey. And here is the fruit. They've got proof. That everything God promised them is right in their hands. All they got to do is walk across that river. Look at this. 
Oh, but then. Their butt got in the way. And I mean B-U-T got in the way. My mother's present. But the people who live there are powerful. How many of you have ever been to any therapy at all in your life? Anybody? Raise your hand. Okay, I'm not ashamed. I've been to a little bit of therapy. And my, my counselor, she's looked at me and she said this. She said, do you realize what you just said? I said, no. She said, you told me the word but. And she said, everything you said before but means I'm supposed to erase. And this is what you really mean. I stopped using the word but. Here's the fruit. But the people who live there are so powerful. And the cities are fortified and very large. We even saw descendants of Anak there. What is this? This is the past coming to haunt them. They've seen what came out of Anak and they knew there was giants and they're like, them are big ones. Because they're looking at their past. The Amalekites live in Negev, Negev, something like that. The Hittites, the Jebusites, and the Amorites live in the hill country. And the Canaanites live near the sea along the Jordan. Oh, but then, then Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, I can just see it. Caleb's like, I've had enough. Shut up. Quiet yourselves. Literally, he's got to be righteously angry. Are you kidding me? You're leaders of tribes. You've seen what God did before. You know he's with us. Why would you say the word but? You could have just stopped, but you kept going. And he said, we should, and the word should is a shame word. You should have done this. You could have done that. If you would have done that. Oh, Caleb's ticked. He is ticked. He's like, I'm going to shame you in front of this whole army. You should go up and take possession of this land. For we certainly can do it. Huh. But then the men who had gone up with him said, we can't attack those people. They're stronger than we are. And they spread among the Israelites a bad report. And the land they had explored, they said, the land about the land, or they said, the land we explored devours those living in it. All the people we saw there of great size. We saw the Nephilim there, the descendants of Anak who came from Nephilim. We seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes. Ready for this? And we looked the same to them. Hold up. You don't get to say how someone else sees you. They're prophesying their end. They're prophesying that we look so small in their eyes. That's not true. Listen, if you're going to talk doubt, Don't talk the doubt that other people think about you. Don't put words in someone else's mouth. You only got the power over your own. You don't get to determine what someone else thinks of you. That's crazy. They think we're grasshoppers. It was nuts. Here's what I want to remind you. Some of us have been in Only Believe for 40 years. 40 years. There's things God has spoke about Only Believe Like back in the days of Genesis. Guess what? God's promise still stands true. 
Those promises will not go undone. God's word does not return void to his people. It goes out from the sky, goes down like the rain, gives what it's supposed to to the earth, and then comes back up to him doing what he purposed the rain to do. The word that came forth about our church has come down from heaven. It will water us, the people, the ones who will bear the fruit, and it will not return unto the Lord until it is completed. Continue into verse 14th chapter. It says, that night all the members of the community raised their voices and wept aloud. All of the Israelites grumbled against Moses and Aaron and the whole assembly and said to them, if we had only died in Egypt or in this wilderness, why is the Lord bringing us to this land only to let us fall by the sword? Their mouths are still moving, still moving, as if Caleb telling them to be quiet wasn't enough. Our wives and children will be taken as plunder. Wouldn't it be better for us to go back to Egypt, back to where we were, back to our past, back to where we were comfortable, back, I'm just going to preach, can I preach? Back to where Pastor Dosik was the minister, back to where everything was just normal. It's just not the same anymore. It's not going to be the same. In case anybody checked, I'm a girl. Thought I'd say that. I'll never forget it. I asked Ashley probably five years ago. I said, Ashley, why every time Pastor Bagwell comes and give me a word, does he look at me and say, God knows you're a girl? Yep, I know that, Tim. I don't think that's a prophecy. No, God was reminding me of this moment right here and right day. And I'm telling you, there's people watching on live stream that are going, oh, she's not allowed to be a woman pastor. That's not what happens. Well, I'm here to tell you, ain't God got no respect or a person's. Guess what, world? Look out, because here I am. I'm a girl. God knows I'm a girl. God knows. And he chose... I didn't choose it for myself. He chose it for me. If only we died in Egypt, let's go back. And they said to each other, we should choose a leader and go back to more or less where we came from. I understand there's a lot of choices that are going to be made over the next few months. I understand that there's a lot of you that have to decide whether you can be pastored by a different generation. And I respect that. I respect that 100%. That is your right. But I ask you before you decide, don't make it a choice of your own, but seek the Lord God, your Savior, because if you lift up your roots from this river before it is time, you will go. There is a reason a weeping willow is planted where it's planted, because it needs a water and a river that is deep and wide. And there's other trees that have shallow roots that go this way. They don't go deep. There's an oak tree that goes straight down, and then he drives his roots. If you don't have the right soil, and you lift up your roots on your own, and God didn't tell you, you will surely die. You will die. 
I don't want you to die. I don't want when the heat comes for you to wither. I don't want when the rain saturates you and you're meant to live in the sand. I don't want that to be your outcome. But if you tell us that God has told you to leave, I will gladly, gladly wish you well and pray over you and bless your soul because God wants you to grow. But only do it of his avail. I respect that. Back to the word. When Moses and Aaron fell face down in front of the whole Israelite assembly gathered there, Joshua, son of Nun, and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, whatever, I can't even say it. I didn't even Google it. Who were among those who had explored the land, tore their clothes and said to the entire Israelite assembly, I think they thought no one was listening. I think they thought, I got to make a scene to get someone's attention. <laughs> Would you listen to me, people? This is what Joshua stands to the table to say. He says, I'm telling you, the land we passed through and explored is exceedingly good. If the Lord is pleased with us, he will lead us into this land, a land flowing with milk and honey, and will give it to us. Only do not rebel against the Lord, and do not be afraid of the people of this land, because we will devour them. Their protection is gone, and the Lord is with us, and do not be afraid. Here's what I'm to remind you, only believe. God has spoke a promised land to you, and I'm sure that there are hundreds of people out there that remember, we are a lighthouse in the middle of a dark area. Up on this rock, and I will build my church, and let me tell you this, I'm so thankful that my father's name is Peter, but in case you don't know the scripture, our Peter is gone. But the Peter in the Bible is who it was written to. Upon that, this rock will I build my church, Peter. That is a word for you and I today. Though our real Peter's not here, our Peter built a church with God's help. God built it upon the rock. That word is good to you and I. And it says, the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Yeah. That's you and I. That's you and I. We are the church. How many remember we would be a church of 5,000? There's a reason this building seats as many people as it seats. It seats it because we knew that God had already spoken a word to fill the seat. How about we would become a healing center where people who were sick and diseased would come from all around the world to receive their miracle? How about all the provision, pastor, you'll ever need is in the house. You know what that means? No dream team should never not have a volunteer. Every spot should be filled. Every dime and dollar that it takes to run this place. And I'm gonna be honest with you, to retire a debt is within this house. Within you and I. Every spiritual gifting that our community needs is in you. Everything you need, every call, every purpose, every dime is in you. That's who you are. And only believe we will, we will persevere without a pastor. 
our pastor, our leader was gone, and you may think that we are not strong enough. Yes, we are. Yes, we are. It's not the time to complain. It's not the time to give in. It's time that you and I begin to see as Caleb, see as Joshua, Saul, for we will devour them. They are helpless prey to us. I think one version said they are bread, bread to us. You know what? That was a great, a great analogy because you know what? Joshua had been eating bread that had been dropped from heaven day in and day out. And he saw God's faithfulness. He said, you know what? There'll be like another piece of bread. I pick it up. I eat it and I'm done. It'll be over. They were looking through the eyes of faith. Pastor Tim, he talked. Oh, never mind. I'll go there. Anyways. Caleb and Joshua were of a different spirit. All 12 spies had seen the hand of God, swallowed up them, but never, never, never did the other ones see what they saw. They didn't see giants with great strength. They knew that if God was with them, then who in the world could be against them? That they would devour them instead. We can't allow the challenges that we face in our life. And I speak this about our life, not just our church. Yes, we have a great loss. I got to be honest with you. I don't think it's even hit us yet of the loss. But what I know is that you and I in our regular day-to-day life, before this happened, had things that were causing us to grumble and to complain and to worry and to think about that you didn't sleep at night, you woke up thinking about what will I do? Look through the eyes of Joshua. Look through the eyes of Caleb. Because they didn't see what the other 10 spies saw. They looked with different eyes because the spirit that lived within them was different. The spirit that lives in only believe is different. It's not one of doubt. It's not one of defeat. It's not one of, oh, woe is me. It is a life filled with passion, with purpose, with victory. And we don't quit. We don't give in. We definitely don't lay down for the devil to whoop on us some more. That is not who we are. We are of a different spirit. We are faced with a choice today, two lenses. We can look through the lens of defeat or we can look through the lens of faith. But as Pastor Tim said last week, the legacy that only believe is, is faith. And we will choose, just like our pastor did, to say yes to faith, to say yes to Jesus in all of his ways. It's simply believing and walking out an obedient response. A couple weeks ago I said to delay is to disobey. This is not a church of delay. We don't delay on what the Lord has told us. Everything we need is in the yes. I want you to go here. Yes, Lord. 
every bit of provision, every bit of peace, every bit of comfort, every bit of, of love, every bit of encouragement you need, when you take your first step to do it, it'll be present. When you take your next, it'll be present. It's always there. God's provision is in the yes. There was nothing he told Caleb and Joshua to do that he did not plan on taking care of every step along the way. Everything you need is in your yes. Our pastor said yes to Jesus. And so will we. Amen? Amen. Let's go to chapter 14, the 23rd and 24th verse. This is very important. Though we preached a good message before, this got real serious real fast. Because in the 23rd verse, it says, not, this is God, this is the Lord talking to, I'm not sure here, to Moses and Aaron. He says, not one of them, them that disobeyed, the 10 spies, will ever see the land I promised on oath to their ancestors. No, not one has treated me with this contempt will ever see it. But because of my servant Caleb has a different spirit and follows me wholeheartedly, I will bring him into the land he went to and his descendants will inherit it. What? What now? You mean all those people are not going to make it? that didn't believe. No, in fact, he says, so tell them this, this is verse 28, as surely as I live, declares the Lord, I will do to you the very thing I heard you say. In the wilderness, your bodies will fall. What? The very thing they were crying, remember? Oh, maybe we should go back to Egypt. Maybe, the, 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 the. Oh, I'm going to give you exactly what you asked for. In this wilderness, your bodies will fall. Every one of your 20 years old or more who was counted in the census and who has grumbled against me, not one of you will enter the land I swore with uplifted hand to make your home except Caleb, son of Jephaniah, and Joshua, son of Nun. As for your children that you said would be taken as plunder, I will bring them in to enjoy the land that you have rejected. But as for you, your bodies will fall in this wilderness. Church, we cannot disobey. We cannot be found in a place of unbelief right now. I'm telling you more than ever, the way we're living our lives you see what's transcending in the world right now. And I'm telling you, I've known since birth. My grandmother told me before she died, the Lord's coming back, Nikki. You need to repent every night just in case. I'm past repenting every night just in case because I actually know where my soul is and my heart is right. But I'm here to remind you, time is short. 
My grandmother thought it was. She put it in my mother. My mother put it in me. My father woke up in the middle of the night when I had sleepwalked to the neighbor and thought the rapture had come because he knew the Lord was coming. I'm telling you that it's quick and it's upon us. And there's going to be a generation that does not see death. And if that's our generation, then we're going to be found in faith. We're going to be found standing at the gate saying it is true. God is coming back. It will be us directing people to Jesus like a ship going down in the sea. We'll be worshiping our Lord and saying, you need to just get saved. You need to get saved. You need to get saved. Look to Jesus. He'll give you peace. If need be, it be the guillotine next to us that's cutting heads off. I don't care. Each and every one of us must be willing to die for the faith that we live for and the cause that we believe in. That's a hard preach right there, but I'm telling you, we must instill the fear of the Lord into our people and our children. Verse 15 through 20. Oh, no, I'm in a different chapter. Let's go to chapter 27. 27. Andrew, I'm going to need you here after I read. It says, Moses said to the Lord, may the Lord God who gives breath to all living things appoint someone over this community to go out and to come in before them. One who will lead them out and bring them in. The Lord's people will not be like sheep without a shepherd. So the Lord said to Moses, take Joshua, the son of Nun, a man in whom is the spirit of leadership, and lay your hands on him, have him stand before Eleazar the priest and the entire assembly and commission him in their presence. Give him some of your authority so the whole Israelite community will obey him. Andrew, the first one of just dad. This was my father on September 29th. Dad called that morning. Leave it up there, Andrew. I want to see my dad. Oh, he's trying? Okay. This was my dad on September 29th. No, you can't have a copy. No, you can't post it on Facebook because he was sick. He was very affirmative. He wanted to be seen strong. He was a strong man. This was him reading to our staff, which he called that morning and collected them at his home. And Andrew, the next one. And this was Pastor and Pastor Phyllis anointing and praying over us that we would lead the sheep in case there was no shepherd. Church, you are looking at your Joshua's. Randy, stand up. Yes, ma'am. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's the pulpit. It does that sometimes. You have to do it in authority or you just back out in fear. You're on fire. Well, thank you. I'm hot too. Get your hand off my back. Sorry, sorry. Mm -hmm. (laughs) This is your Joshua's. And we're here. And we're going to serve you. And we're going to love you. And we're going to walk with you. We're going to mourn with you. We're going to laugh with you. We're going to cry with you. We're going to help you. We're going to pray with you. We're going to feel with you. Church, we love you. You're welcome. You're welcome. Now it's my turn. We're going to marry you. We're going to bury you. We're going to go to your graduation. We're going to go to your kids' game. Hallelujah. (sighs) Though it be a time of mourning, it is a time of joy. 
The staff was there, and I wanted you to know, I'm letting you into a small piece of our life that day. It was beautiful. Pastor Kylan was able to do communion with our staff and our pastor for the last time. We didn't realize that would be our last time, but it was a very special day for us. The church will honor our past. We won't forget it. We're not looking to not remember it. We're not looking to not talk about it. We're just not going to live in it. We are going to push to a bright future, and the future is bright. Now, Dad, here's your verse. Joshua 1.1. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land that I am about to give them. To the Israelites, I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I had promised to Moses. Verse 5. No one will be able to stand against you in all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so will I be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land that I swore to the ancestors to give them. Be strong and very courageous. Oh, but be careful to obey all. Someone say all. The law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book. The law of the law always upon your lips. Meditate day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you, someone say then. You will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you to be strong and courageous? The third time. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you everywhere you go. I'm here to tell you that we are to keep the word of the Lord upon our lips day and night. That we don't just hear the word and only believe, but we do the word. Then we are prosperous. Then we get what the word says. God hasn't left us, nor is he about to leave us. He's not forsaken us, though it may look like your world is falling apart. It's not. Do not be afraid. Be courageous. God is with us. Here's what I want to remind you of. We are not here to change the vision of only belief. Because the vision wasn't just pastor's vision. The vision was God's vision for this house. Here's what I know. I love my father. I respect him. There is not a man on this earth I esteem more than him. But outside of this earth far above anything my father could ever envision. The vision is here. The example was Jesus. He walked it out for us. My father said yes to Jesus, and that's amazing. But my father's not here to be the example. The example is this written word of God. We will live by it day and night. We will put it up on our lips. And this is how we will become new in Christ. This is how we will become found faithful. This is how we will become a church that loves in the midst of a loveless world. 
This is how we will possess to the end. This word. My father loved the word. Oh, he loved the word. Gosh, day and night he knew the word. Let's go to chapter 3, 2, because this is how we're going to possess. Obviously, I can't finish this message today. It's going to be finished, but I can't tell you about all the promised land because it goes through the entire book of Joshua. But this is how they crossed. Uh, second chapter, second verse. After three days, the officers went through the camp giving orders to the people. When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God. Now, let me just stop right here. The Ark in the Old Testament was where the presence of the Lord lived. Inside this Ark were the Ten Commandments inside there. Because they thought the presence of the Lord was connected with the law. Like, if we can keep the law, we'll be close to Jesus, or close to God. But then God has a different plan. That's why you and I don't carry around a gold ark that comes down the aisle every week, and then the presence is here. It's inside of you and I. The presence now lives in us. Remember, Jesus came to fulfill the law, and God said, I've given you a better way. A better way. You don't have to carry around this gold box. Thank you. I don't want to carry around a gold box. Not to mention a lot of people that touched the box died. Because they weren't holy. It's a whole other message for another day. When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God and the Levitical priest carrying it, you are to move out from your positions and follow it. Our eyes must be fixed on who God is. But we must follow and say yes to what he's asking. Then you will know which way to go since you have never been this way before. Has anyone ever gone through this before what the church is going through? I haven't either. So guess what? We're going to watch the presence of the Lord and we're going to follow and do what he tells us to do because we've never been here before. But I know that we're not going to get off track if we keep our eyes upon who he is and keep our eyes on the written word of God. We can't go to the left and we can't go to the right, but we're going to go straight ahead and walk right into what he's purposed us to do. But keep a distance of about 2,000 cubits between you and the ark to not get near it. That was before Jesus lived in our hearts. Now we don't have to worry about that. Joshua told the people, Consecrate yourselves. Guess what that means? Church, God can't use the vessel if it ain't clean. God's not pouring his purity, his clarity, his righteousness into something that's dirty. And I'm going to remind you, I can remember my dad calling the staff, him and mom, oh my gosh, at least twice a year. We've had a dream. There's sin in the camp. What in the world? What do you mean there's sin in the camp? She's like, you pull all them staff members together. You put them around a table. You ask them to search their lives. You look deep in your hearts and you find out if there's anything that you have done or said that is improper. Is there any sin in your life that you can get rid of? Repent and turn from it because there'll be no sin in this camp. Church, I'm telling you, it's time to consecrate yourselves. If we want to be used by God, 
We have to live a life that is blameless and pure before him. That doesn't mean we're perfect. It means when we're not, we know where to run and how fast to get there. David was a man of great mistakes. But yet God said, I wish you all had the heart of David. You want to know why? David knew how to put his running shoes on when it came time and run straight back to the presence of the Lord and say, I'm sorry, please forgive me. I don't want to do this. This is not the man you made me be. And that's all we have to do. But God can't use a church that is not consecrated for his use. Tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. Joshua said to the priest, take up the Ark of the Covenant and pass ahead of the people. So they took it up and went ahead of them. This was the beginning of where they began to possess. The Israelites were consumed with complaining. Complaining was resistance to change. They didn't want to be uncomfortable. They wanted to be comfortable. And complacency shows weakness. Complaining is a lack of trust in God's timing. It's time that you and I begin to understand God's purpose for us as individuals and as a church. This was probably the hardest message I'll ever preach to you today. Because I had to tell you about your future and your example. And today, I had to let my father's example go and pick up Jesus' example. My mother had to lose a husband and pick up Jesus as her husband. He is. Did you hear that? He is. You're right, Mom. He is. And you're going to be okay. We got this. Jesus is our legacy, and our Jordan is just ahead. I need you all to search your hearts, and I need you to put your eyes upon Jesus and follow him like you've never followed him before, because we're going into an unknown territory that we've never taken before. But I know this, he means us good and no harm. Rally up, because it's about to get good. Stand up. We will press towards a bright future. We will continue to preach the word and to build God's church. Signs and wonders will follow those that believe. We as a church will live holy with the fear of the Lord in our hearts. And to only believe, I tell you, be strong and courageous In the days ahead, your only believe, and you are of a different spirit. Let's make Jesus proud first and foremost. But while our pastor is in the great cloud of witnesses, I don't know what he can see or what he can't, but I have a feeling he's going to be pretty proud. Grab the hand of the person next to you. Both of you, come today. Mom, I love you. I'm so proud of you. She's doing God, amazing. Pastor's proud of all of them. 
Hmm. Very proud of all of you. I know he is. I do too. Father, we come before you today. God, we just take this moment to consecrate our lives before you today. Yes, Lord. Father, search the inward parts of who we are. Look for anything that's unclean in our lives. Father, reveal it to us that we might repent and turn from our ways. God, that we could be a vessel that you would use. If there's anyone here today under the sound of our voice, maybe you're not a part of our church or or you just came to visit, sorry. This is for our church today, but if you'd like, you can be a part of our church. And if you want to accept Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior and you want to follow in Jesus' footsteps, then I just ask you to come down front today. He's not angry with you. He's not, not frustrated. He actually just wants you to come and walk with him. Give your life to him today. None of us were perfect. Far from perfect. But like David, we just run to Jesus quickly. If you're here and you want salvation, please come. Please come. Church, I ask that you look deep into your heart. Holy Spirit, just begin to move in and around us. Reminding us of things we've said. Forgiveness, unforgiveness maybe that's not been dealt with. Father, a a, a not-so-nice word spoken about somebody that slipped out of our mouth. A thought that made it to our lips. Father, forgive us. Forgive us. Help us, Father, in these next days as you begin to heal our hearts. Father, as we mourn the loss of our pastor. Father, we accept your call. This entire church is called to our local communities. To be a beacon, a lighthouse in the middle of the darkness. We know all things are possible, God. All things are possible. All things are possible to those who believe. Do you want to pray, Mom? Randy? I'm good. You want to pray? Father, thank you for our family, our family of faith. God, you have placed these people here, planted them here, Lord God, for your purpose. God, I thank you that as they are planted where you have put them, you will bless them. You will keep them. You will bless their families, Lord God. Hallelujah. God, just as the Ark of the Covenant was placed Mm -hmm. at a stranger's house, God, and the blessing came. Mm I thank you for blessing this house because you are here. We are here. We are consecrated, Lord God. We are saved, Lord God. We love you. And we are here as vessels, Lord God, to do your will, to do the thing that you've called us to do, and that is win souls, make disciples. God, I thank you for using each and every one of our gifts Lord God, not just for this house, but outside of this house. Yes, Lord. Bringing in those, Lord God, the crops, Father, for the fields already. And God, I thank you that we stand up and serve for you and do what you've called us to do. And great will your harvest be in these last days. 
in these next days. And God, as you told me last night over and over, I woke up, new season, new season. It's a new season in this house, Lord God. And I thank you for the double portion. Yes, Lord. The double portion, Lord God. The Joshua portion, Lord God. The Elisha portion, yes. Lord God, to come on us, Lord, and pour over us in Jesus' name. Greater things will we do, for we honor the past. But God, we look to the future and what you have for us. We give you praise for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Church, don't forget, there is a meal. We are going to celebrate our past. We're going to remember our past. And we've got an open mic. An open mic with lots of chicken, which Pastor Dosik loved. We're going to eat a good homemade chicken dinner for everyone. And we're going to talk about all of our memories from yeah. our pastor.